0: Well, good morning everyone. hope you can hear me okay at the back there. hope you can hear me at the front there. Why does everybody sit at the back? If it was an airplane, would it be able to take off? Because it would be sort of heavy at the back. I was looking at that when you were all coming in this morning. Everybody was at the back, nobody was at the front. It's like an airplane. I'm sure they have to balance the load, don't they? I don't know if they do that these days. Anyway. anyway. Right, good morning. Welcome. If you're new to the church, a special welcome. Welcome. If English is not your first language, if English is not your first language, can I especially welcome you This morning as well, it can be sometimes very hard to listen to somebody speaking uh, when you don't get the words. To be honest, most of the folks that are English here don't understand half the words I say. So, so for you guys from from other countries, um, you know, I I really appreciate your attention. Really pray that God's going to going to speak to you this morning uh, as we continue our series on the Holy Spirit. This is the fourth sermon in a, series of, uh, uh, in a series of six. So I would encourage you to catch up on uh, any of the previous messages you, you may have missed. Um, if you're new to this church, then we are a church that believes in the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about that. We've been praying about that. We've been hearing about that already this morning. That's what our kids are, are learning about as, as they go out there. Uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit is vital to our lives as Christians, our life together as a church. And yet so often that the Holy Spirit is the forgotten member of the Trinity. We talk of the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what we mean by the Trinity. God, the creator of all and Lord of all. Jesus, his Son, who came to earth and died on the cross for our sins. And the Holy Spirit who lives in us and equips us, enables us to be effective for him. We talk of being a spirit-filled church, a church who move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, a church who are prepared to allow the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit to disrupt our our man-made plans and orders of service. Uh, But we never want to assume that everybody knows what we mean by the Holy Spirit. Everybody understands this subject, and it's so important that we, we revisit this subject, that we keep revisiting this subject, and we keep talking about the Holy Spirit. I, I trust that no matter how long or short a time you've been with us, you've already seen and witnessed the Holy Spirit work amongst us. The great thing about spending a couple of weeks talking about the Holy Spirit means that we get to cover some of the areas of the Holy Spirit that that we wouldn't normally have time to look at. And so today I want to look at what at first glance might seem a somewhat unusual subject. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit and the world. The Holy Spirit and the world. And and I'll explain firstly why I think this might be considered a little bit of an unusual subject. You see, the whole area of the Holy Spirit is actually very personal to me. I know it's very personal to to, to many of us. But I became a Christian in 1977. That kind of gives my age away a little bit, if I said I was a teenager at the time. Uh, But I became a Christian in 1977. And the phrase, a spirit-filled church, would not have meant much to were just about anybody in those days. We didn't really use that phrase. However, something remarkable happened in the church in this country and in another, another, many other countries. But in this country, in kind of a seven or eight-year period between the kind of mid '70s to the sort of mid to the mid '80s, that has since come to be known as the Charismatic Renewal. It was a period in church history where many churches rediscovered the person of the Holy Spirit. And if we're honest, it rocked the established church uh, that existed at the time. People were broadly comfortable with God the Father. People were broadly comfortable with God the Son, Jesus. If we were to, to walk out into the streets there and say, do you understand the term God and Jesus? People may may say, well, we don't believe in that, but at least they would have heard those words before. There would be a frame of reference, albeit something that needed maybe correcting and teaching on. But if we said, do you understand what we mean by the Holy Spirit? Then even today, people are going to say, what? What? It just, it's, just, it's a phrase that even now doesn't quite compute or, or fit with most people. And, and the same can be true from the church, which is why we kind of keep talking about this. But from my perspective, you see, I, I lived at a time when suddenly the Holy Spirit burst into the church in a very real way. As Steve and Danny have been showing in previous uh, weeks, this was the, the normal experience of the early church, that we read of in Acts. They, they received the Holy Spirit for the first time on that first Pentecost. They moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but over the years, I guess that teaching and that dynamic had kind of got just absorbed into tradition and ritual and established ways of working. And so, so, and so we had to not discover the Holy Spirit, but rediscover the Holy Spirit. And whole new churches were, were set up as, as people were often met in homes, in what we called house churches, in small groups, to, to discover this rich teaching about the Scripture and the Holy Spirit. Now, I say all of that because I've been a Christian long enough to remember what church was like without the Holy Spirit. And I kind of don't want to go back to that, I want to make sure that that we hold on to this. And, And for many of you, what we do here on a Sunday morning, the way we worship, the way we interact with each other, the way we receive the Holy Spirit, for many of you, this will be all you've ever known. And in many ways, you're blessed because this should be the normal Christian experience that we want to keep on experiencing and keep wanting to remind people of. Now, again, that said... And partly because of my background, I must confess that the subject that I've been asked to look at this morning did seem rather odd to me at first. Um, I've not been asked to speak on how we are filled with the Holy Spirit. I've not been asked to speak on any particular gifts of the Holy Spirit. Steve and Danny have done a great job in doing that already in those introductory sessions. Rather, my subject is the Holy Spirit and the world Send with me please to John 14 and we're just going to read a couple of verses there and I'm going to pick a particular phrase out of that passage to open up this morning. John 14 and starting from verse 15. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples at an incredibly uh, poignant time in the Garden of Gethsemane before he is taken away uh, to be crucified. He says to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you let's just pray father we thank you again for your spirit who leads us into all truth lord help us to hear And receive that truth this morning. Lord, I just pray you break through language barriers and understanding barriers and speak to our hearts. Dwell in us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. That was such a well-known passage, such a well-known go-to passage for us in the 70s and the 80s as we started to learn about the Holy Spirit. We love the beginning of that passage. We often quote the beginning few verses there. Uh, uh, I will ask the Father. Uh, He will send you another helper. He will be with you forever. We tend not to focus so much on what comes next. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him or knows him. You see, in my first reaction... When I opened up that email from Steve and Danny, I love these emails these guys send out. They say, hey, are you going to preach on such and such a day, on such and such a subject? And There's a couple of things I need to do. The first thing is to kind of check my diary. Yeah, yeah, I'm around that Sunday. And then I look at the subject, and and that normally gets a couple of responses from me. It can usually be, yeah, I can do that. I'm up for that one. I love that subject. I'm going to preach on that. Every so often, there's a little hmm, I'm looking at Danny now because Danny sends it out, the Holy Spirit and the world. I'm not quite sure how that computes because I kind of thought it's the Holy Spirit or the world. These are the two realities that we can live in. God's Spirit or the Spirit of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus came to die so that all might receive eternal life. But the Holy Spirit is given to us. The God who lives in us. And uh, when Steve was speaking a couple of weeks ago, I was frantically jotting down some of the things that he was reminding of us about the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our guide. He's our interpreter. He's ours. The Holy Spirit is for the church. The very strapline of this series, the God who lives in us, made me think, well, can I actually preach on the Holy Spirit and the world? Because the world is where the Spirit isn't. I do have a sermon for you, just in case you're getting a little bit nervous at this point. <laughs> I, I, I didn't reply to the email. Mm, sorry, Danny. Not sure I can do that one. Well, I'll find someone else. No, I do have a sermon. I'm just being very honest with you. It took me a little while to tease that one out, but I think it's really important that we realise that the Holy Spirit is at work in the world, and I want to share with you four things or four ways that I think the Holy Spirit works in the world, uh, very helpfully, all beginning with C. As I would normally do. Firstly, the Holy Spirit creates. The Holy Spirit creates. I said back in the 70s, we had to rediscover the Holy Spirit. Reread verses that we'd read many times before. But now, suddenly, the Holy Spirit was jumping off the page in a very real way. One key passage that we've referred to so much in this series already is, of course, Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit is poured out for the first time. But you see, that's not the first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Scripture. No, No novelist, no writer waits until three quarters of the way through the book to introduce their main character. The main characters are there at the beginning of the story. And the Holy Spirit doesn't suddenly appear in Acts chapter 2 and everybody says, hey, who's this new guy that's come on the scene? No, the Holy Spirit was there at the beginning, the very beginning of the Bible itself, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit is right there at the very beginning of the Bible. And in the creation of mankind, a few verses later, then God said, let us make man in our own image. Let us make man. Who's God talking to? Is he talking to himself? Well, well, yes, he is because God is one. But, he's talk, but God the Father is talking to God the Son. God the Spirit. Let us make man in our own image. So here is the Spirit creating, being involved in the creation of the world, in the creation of mankind right at the very beginning of this story. Secondly, the Holy Spirit convicts. John is correct when he says in his gospel, and uh, well, John's repeating the words of Jesus, so I can hardly say he's not being correct, can I? John is being correct when he says, uh, he says the world can neither see or acknowledge the Holy Spirit. And that's the position that we were all in at one point. It says in Ephesians 2, at the beginning of that chapter, And you were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. The question is, if we were following the course of the world, a spirit of disobedience, if we read on a few more verses, how did we get out of the world and into Jesus? How did we get out of the spirit of the world and into the Holy Spirit? Well, of course, we became Christians, you all answer. That was how it happened. That was how we changed from one world to another. We became Christians. Yes, that's right. But how did that happen? How did that happen? The mechanism by which that change happened was the Holy Spirit himself, whose role it is to open blind eyes and to unstop deaf ears so that we might respond. You know, it is, I'll say, it, it's miraculous this morning that we are translating these words into different languages. I said, I pray for you guys whose English is not your first language this morning because with all the technology that we have, we can help you if English is not your first language to understand these words. But the real miracle, the real miracle is not Google Translate or, or boxes we clip on our belts, but it's the Holy Spirit That reveals truth to us. You see, going back to 1977, I remember the moment when I was asked, did I want to become a Christian? And I said, yes. I remember that moment. You see, I've been part of the church youth group for for many years with a a head knowledge of Jesus. I'd, I'd heard all the stories before but hadn't really impacted me particularly. I was there for the fun and the games and the free biscuits. I'm still here for the free biscuits. (laughs) But, but, But on this particular morning, on this particular morning, we were in the main church service. That one Sunday every month that the whole youth group dreaded where we had to sit through the whole service. We couldn't escape after 15 minutes. And the pastor was sharing the gospel. He was telling the story of why Jesus had to die, his death on the cross. There's no more important message that we can bring every Sunday, regardless of the specific title we have. Every Sunday, we need to talk about Christ crucified. And he was telling the story again of how we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's standard. And Christ came and died on the cross for us. He gave our life to pay for the sins that we've committed And one of the youth group leaders, probably realising that I was suddenly, had been impacted by this in a way that um, uh, hadn't happened before, came over to me and said, do you want to respond to this? He He was probably being led by the Holy Spirit, although he wouldn't have said it in those terms in those days. But he said, do you want to respond to this? And I said, yes. And you see, I tell that story because I'd heard many gospel presentations before. I've been in the church for a number of years as a teenager. This was not the first time I'd heard the gospel. This was not the best gospel presentation I'd heard. This wasn't bad, but it wasn't the best. I wasn't paying any more attention or any less attention than I normally do, at least not at the beginning of the sermon. But suddenly something that morning changed. And see, the question is this if it wasn't to do with the skill of the person speaking, and if it wasn't to do with the attentiveness of the person listening, what actually meant that suddenly that morning, this all made sense? It was the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart, opening up truths that I would not seen before. And you see, if this morning you're not a Christian and anything that you've seen or heard is starting to move you, then it's because the Holy Spirit right now is at work in your heart. You know, we can miss this. We can miss this, even even in the message that we give to the world about sin. We can say, because it's easy to do this, we can easily say such things as, you know, sin is, is a problem in your life. We, we can be very specific, we can be bold, we can say, hey guys, if you don't know Jesus, sin is a problem in your life. It's it's like an illness, it's like a sickness, and hey, I'm gonna, I've got a pill that will help you. This pill it's called Jesus. You need to take this pill into your life, uh, and it will make you better. Now, have you... Ever heard someone say that? Have you ever said that yourself to someone? In many ways, it's quite a good analogy, isn't it? But what does Ephesians 2 say? We were dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. You know something about somebody who's dead? Pills aren't much good anymore, potions aren't much good anymore. I don't know if you're a fan or if you watch those kind of medical dramas on TV. Uh, usually it involves some point, some getting wheeled in on, on an emergency trolley and all the doctors and all the nurses, they kind of, there's this, this melee of activity. It usually involves a sort of defibrillator at some point where boom, they try to restart the heart and there's all these kind of needles and, and, and technology and it's real, real good drama, it's real exciting. And then suddenly there comes this moment When everything stops, when everything goes quiet, because the patient has died. And all the pills and all the potions and all the training and all the technology and all the medical knowledge and abilities are suddenly no longer any good at all because the patient has died. And you know we need to remember that was the state that we were, we were in. We weren't just ill and needed a bit of medicine. We were dead. And the Holy Spirit brings us back to life. And we do not give people pills or potions. In a sense, we do. But we need to remember, ultimately, we are introducing them to the person who can bring the dead back to life that's our role we introduce them to the one who brings people back to life it's all him he convicts of our sin the spirit creates the spirit convicts thirdly the spirit calls the world may not see or know the spirit but they're going to get him they're going to get him We do not live in glorious isolation. We're not called to live in glorious isolation. We're not called to put up walls to protect ourselves from the big bad world out there. We're called to go to that big bad world. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and again thinking about that verse in a slightly different way given the subject that i had this morning i saw it just a little bit differently you see it isn't just that we are going that's true but it's it isn't just that we are going it isn't just that the spirit is given to us the spirit is given to us and it's not just that we might go to the ends of the earth But all of that is so the world might receive. So that the world might receive. You know, uh, I've probably said in previous sermons, uh, I had a wonderful sort of... uh, education in my grammar school in English language. We don't do this anymore, sort of adjectival phrases and adverbial clauses and sentence analysis. But we talked about subject and objects of sentences. And the subject is normally what's at the beginning, the thing that the sentence is all about, and the object is what the subject is doing. So when we are sent to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel, the subject is us. We are sent... And the object is the world. Well, brothers and sisters, can I suggest that we need to turn that sentence around? The world is the subject. And we are going to it. We're taking the gospel. The Holy Spirit calls us to the ends of the earth. It's, it's sad when those amongst us sometimes leave to spread the, world of, the word of God wider. We don't like saying goodbye. That's always sad, isn't it? We think of the Druze in, in Asia. The Baileys in Banbury, the Stevens in France, the Swans in the middle row over there. But, uh, but any, any given Sunday, they're probably at the ends of the earth somewhere, South Africa or Thailand. It happens to be the middle of the hall today, but who knows where they'll be next week. How does that happen? How do places suddenly become front and centre in people's minds? How do they dream about countries that, in many instances, are not just unreceptive to God's word, but but downright hostile? How do other people have words for them that say, I just see you in connection to France. I just see you in connection to this country. If, if you're new to us and you don't know the story of how Joe and Amy and their family were called to France then that's not my story to tell. But you need to hear that story. You need to grab Tracy and Neil down there or other folks. Hear that story. It's a remarkable story about God calling people to other countries. And as I was thinking about that phrase, we might be thinking about the ends of the earth again pretty soon. Not actually with a mission context, well, that's great if you are being called to the ends of the earth to share the gospel, but suddenly the ends of the earth are becoming available again, aren't they? Gatwick's opening up. Lockdown means that we can actually now get on a plane and go somewhere. And living just down the road from Gatwick, the ends of the earth for us are never more than 24 hours flight time away. And I was just thinking about these disciples, these disciples who many of them wouldn't have ever traveled more than a couple of miles from the village where they were born and grew up. And Jesus says, you're going to the ends of the earth. Yeah, we, we can live in our own little Jerusalems, the bits that we're comfortable with. But there's some areas out there. There's the ends of the earth out there. Like I say, they, they, they didn't know where the ends of the earth were. But in the power of the Spirit, they were going there. The Spirit creates, the Spirit convicts, the Spirit calls, and then lastly, the Holy Spirit contrasts. I said right at the beginning that I wasn't quite sure what to do with the Holy Spirit and the world, because I saw it more as the Holy Spirit or the world. But ultimately, isn't this what it comes down to? The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see the difference the contrast between what we have in God and what the world can offer. Yes, the, the world is where the Spirit is not. There's a clear contrast there. And if we use that passage in Galatians to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, to describe the, the life that we've been called to as, a, as one defined by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control... Then the contrast, the world is a place defined by hate, sadness, anxiety, anger, cruelty, meanness and intolerance. And don't we see that all around us so often in these days? Which world do you want to live in? Which spirit do you want to be part of? Holy Spirit helps us to see those two worlds. He draws that contrast and shows us the difference between what is on offer. Let me close with a couple of thoughts. Uh, a lot has happened since the mid-70s when I first heard about the Holy Spirit. Certainly back then, I think the big thing for the church was, hey, this revolutionizes our Sunday morning meetings. Our worship has suddenly become extraordinary. The spiritual gifts that are manifest amongst us has become remarkable. I I guess I don't think I would probably be in the church still if that hadn't happened. I'm sure God didn't do it just for me. But to be perfectly honest, prior to the mid-70s, church was pretty boring. We used to uh, sing hymns. There's nothing wrong with hymns. But, but there will be a, a, a list up on the pillar, if you imagine a pillar here, there'll be a little board there, and one of the deacons, each Sunday morning, he would put up a list of the, of the hymns that we were going to sing, in what order. And she was great fun, as a teenager, you would look at the board and say, oh, i was singing hymn number 325. So you get your hymn book out, and you'd have hymn number 325 ready. So that when you came to stand, you could all stand And of course, my hymn book would be open at the right. It was like Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean did a sketch on this, didn't he? And it's so true. It was how church was. And of course, you could smile and say, I've got the hymn. And you knew the next hymn was going to be hymn number 24. You know, hymn number 24, I'm good to go. You know, we needed the Holy Spirit to stir that up and mix that up. But as the years have passed, I think I've come to realize that the Spirit wasn't just given to us he's given to us so that we might change the world and so it's very right and proper I think after all I've said to speak of the Holy Spirit and the world secondly if you're not a Christian this morning then there is opportunity to change that to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit We so often talk of becoming Christians or becoming a Christian is allowing Jesus into your life. Well, this morning, yes, you can allow Jesus into your life and you can have the Holy Spirit as well. If you know you're not a Christian this morning and you want to respond, then I'm just going to lead you in a short prayer. Just repeat my words and then uh, just say them in your heart. If you want to, ask Jesus into your heart. If you know that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you this morning and that you know you haven't ever really committed your life to Jesus. If that's you this morning, just repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus. I know that I've done wrong and been far from you. But I thank you that you sent your son to pay the price for my sin. I ask you to come into my life now as Lord and Saviour. I thank you for the Holy Spirit and the promise that he will lead me into all truth. Amen. If you, uh, if you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, then please come and speak to someone you know is a Christian. You can come and speak to me, you can come and speak to, to any of the leaders, Danny down here, uh, Justin at the back, Dave, I've already called out in the middle there. Please, please, if you've, done, if you've said that prayer this morning for the first time, don't, don't leave here this morning without speaking to someone, because we want to help you uh, on that journey. Guys, can you come back? I think we would love to close with a prayer. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Again, just as we, we sing one last worship song, there's a great opportunity for you to receive again the Holy Spirit, if you want us to pray with you, then you can come to the front or you can just, again, pray with somebody near to you uh, that you know can, can speak into your needs, speak into your situation. But let's allow the Holy Spirit, just as we've got a few minutes left, let's just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, into our hearts, to touch us and renew us. Amen.